welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. Today, I'm not quite sure what to name the episode because I've got a few things going on in my mind. One is that I had a really shitty day. Two is I feel like I need to make another change. And so that's kind of what the topic is. I was doing a lot of research today about the the phases of change and the phases of recovery and layers of change and all of these things. And, um, and so one of the things that that I ran across was talking about the layers of change. And it said the layers of change are either one, we, we want to change the outcome, which I think we've talked about changing the outcome and how that just leads me to the God box. And two, we need to change our habits And there's lots of books out there about changing habits and how to do that. And the third way to change is to change who you are. And that's that's how they worded it. I think of it as changing your way of life. And this is something that I had to do when I made the decision that I wasn't going to drink anymore. I didn't realize when I made that decision that that is what I was facing was changing my way of life. But, but nonetheless, that is, that is what I needed to do. And, uh, one thing that I, heard today also was that most of our thoughts today are repeats of yesterday. And so you see, all of this is kind of pointing me in in a certain direction. I'm thinking, you know, I've done this before. I've changed my way of life. And the way I did that is I had to put recovery first, meaning nothing else could stand in the way. If I was sick, I still had to put my sobriety first. If I didn't feel good, I still had to go to a meeting. If I had some extra time, I needed to read literature about alcoholism and not watch Mean Girls for the 20th time and making sure that I that I created a schedule that works for me in my life so that so so that sobriety always came first and so I started thinking of this I think too hard. I was reading about the stages of change as, and if you look up stages of change, it's usually correlated with recovery from 
alcoholism or addiction. And the stages of change, there are five, and it includes pre-contemplation, which is usually the stage where you're going through denial and you're thinking of excuses about why, you know, why things aren't as bad as as everybody's telling you they are, or maybe subconsciously as you know they are. And that pre-contemplation stage, as I've been comparing my sobriety to my recovery from my stroke, for me, seems like it was the past two years that I've been in denial that um, this stroke really was a big deal, that it really has impacted my vision to the point that I just couldn't live with the pain anymore. And so I feel like pre-contemplation was a couple years for me here for the the post-stroke symptoms. The next stage of change is contemplation. And this is when you recognize that there is a problem. Um, Not necessarily that you're going to change it, but you realize that there's a problem and something needs to change. So that's contemplation. And then the next stage, the third stage is preparation, which is you make a decision to make the change. Um, And in recovery, that usually means you make a decision to go to rehab or a detox facility, or you make the decision to not pick up a drink anymore. And then the, the fourth stage of change is action. And this is where you create this new way of life. You create a new purpose and you evaluate your goals and your needs and you uncover new strengths and passions. And this is where like the the rubber hits meets the road where um, things are really happening and you're making a plan. And then the last stage of change is maintenance. And this is starting to build a life around recovery. So the next question I I was thinking to myself, I was in deep contemplation today. Oh, look, that's the second stage. (laughs) Um, I was thinking, is there a finish line? For recovery, I know the answer. It I I know the answer in sobriety. The answer is no. There's no finish line. This is a way of life, and it will always be. I mentioned that yesterday. That um, I'm I'm an alcoholic. I'm always gonna be an alcoholic. And I mentioned one of the things that I can't change from yesterday is that. I had a stroke and and I can't change that. And the effects of that stroke are that I just 
cannot use my eyes. And I know that I know that I just keep repeating this, um, but I think it's it's important to anyone who is recovering from a stroke and listening to this, and that is that it's hard to accept this. It's just hard. And I had a really crappy day. And I... I started off today thinking it was going to be a good day. And I started, I opened up my my Mac and decided I was going to start learning voiceover on my Mac. Well, it was, it was too soon to do something like that. And so I spent the whole day uh, recovering from my uh, head aches and everything from spending the morning on my computer and that just sent me into this frustration and sadness um so I was contemplating what I was going to talk about today and I have lots of different topics and I really I was I was not sure that I wanted to talk about me having a bad day, but I think it's important that I do talk about that I had a bad day. And so I think some of my frustration is that I don't know how long it's going to take me to recover, if I'll recover, and how far will I recover if I do, where will I end up? And what I understand is that my recovery depends on the location and the size of my, the part of my brain that has died, the, the cells that have died. And what I also know is that early on after you have a stroke between three to six months, this is when you're most likely to change faster, to recover faster in the first few months to, uh, to the one year mark. And what I have been learning, however, because I started thinking, well, I'm way past that. You know, I'm at, I'm at two years now, is that I'm not going to stop recovering as long as I commit to doing the work and that means I have to add this as a new way of life. Just like I added my sobriety to my new way of life. So doing my rehabilitation activities repetitively, intensely, and being committed is the only hope I have to make any sort of improvement. And 
I've learned that there is no cap to recovery, that people with over five years uh, past their stroke can still make improvements. And so this led me to learning a little bit about the phases of recovery. So there's three phases. There's acute, which is the first few weeks after you have the stroke. There's subacute, and this is where you're going to experience spontaneous recovery or you're going to um, experience um, that neuros neuroplasticity that I've talked about in, in uh, previous episodes. And then the third phase of recovery is the chronic. And this is where, you know, when I went to my neurologist and I told him that my head was hurting, he told me, let's wait until you hit the one year mark. And if your head still hurts, then we'll see what we can do about it. And so when I hit the one year mark and my head still hurt, he gave me migraine medication and it didn't work. So I went back, I said, it's not doing anything. So he increased the dosage. Well, that didn't do anything either. And, um, what I, my answer to that was to stop going to that neurologist. But what I did, did not do is find a new neurologist. I decided, okay, well, I can just bear it. You know, like I've talked about the earlier this week is I've resigned myself to, um, to being in pain, you know, being in this low level pain. Well, what I did not expect is that that low level of pain was going to increase to an unmanageable level of pain. And so here I am, I'm at two years and I, you know, I've been at this for, let's see, it's been, I think about five or six weeks I think, I'm guessing, that I've been taking time off work to recover. And it's like I can do nothing during the day. I can do nothing but listen to audiobooks and I feel okay. Um, I still have, you know, little issues with little issues. When I walk, I get dizzy um, from the earth moving in front of me. That's still happening. But for the most part, anything else, um, which is nothing else because I'm not doing anything, I feel okay. I I don't have this pain um, lingering in my head if I don't use my eyes. Um, But today, I spent a little bit of time trying to learn voiceover and I looked at the computer here and there to see where my cursor was and I ended up spending the entire day laying down miserable 
from just doing that in the morning. And I thought, I haven't gotten anywhere. There's nothing that has improved in six weeks. Nothing. I, I mean, that's, that's how I'm feeling. That's why I'm feeling so frustrated. So I thought, well, what does Rachel do when she gets frustrated like this? When, when I feel like, um, nothing's changing. Well, I'm really, really, um, I guess bullheaded in a good way where I'm like, I'm just, I'm not going to live like this. This is, it's torture. It's freaking torture for me to just be sitting inside these four walls and doing nothing. And, and I can't, um, I, you know, I can listen to books, but books gets pretty old after six weeks. (laughs) So, what I need to do is I need to make a big change. So just like I did six weeks ago and I was sitting out on my front porch and I thought, and I got teary eyed and I thought, I have got to change something immediately. Well, um, that's what's happening again. Something has to change because nothing's changing. So I did a little exercise for myself and I'm going to talk through that. And if anybody else is, is going through something where you need to make a big change in your life, I recommend answering some of these questions, all of these questions. So here's the first question. What is the change I need to make and what does it mean in my life? So my answer is I need to change my way of life. I need to put my stroke recovery first like I do my sobriety. So the next question, what are the emotions I feel about this change? Well, I feel discouraged. I feel discouraged because I thought I already did this six weeks weeks ago. I thought I was making that big change. And it seems that the big change I was making was I was standing down from work. That was my big change. Um, And although I've been doing all of my homework and I've been doing the things that are required for uh, brain health and my mental health and um, eating the right foods and everything, I don't and feeling almost like, what more can I do? You know, well, there's always more I can do. So I've been feeling grouchy. I've been thinking, why me? Why, why when I was, I had so much going on and and I was doing so well at work and, and everything, I was feeling so hopeful and I had a plan on how everything was going to go at work and, and everything in life, you know, not just work and kayaking. And I was learning all these new things. And why me? Why, why is it all just taken away from me? And now I just have to learn how to see again, learn how to look at things again without a headache. I mean, I feel overwhelmed because 
just by trying to look at the computer a few times this morning um, and getting so much pain from that, I feel overwhelmed by the idea that it is going to take such incremental steps for so long to make a change that it's overwhelming to me to try to think about how long this is going to take. I feel tired because my brain is just nonstop. You know, my brain is trying to resolve a problem that is unresolvable. I can't make it go away. Just like I can't make the fact that I'm an alcoholic go away. And that's what I want to do. I want to, I remember when uh, that first year of sobriety, when I just wanted to go to a happy hour like everybody else. I just wanted to go to a party like everybody else and drink like everybody else. I wanted my alcoholism to just go away. And I remember waking up in the morning and, and thinking that I was quote unquote normal and then, and then remembering, oh yeah, I'm an alcoholic. And to me that meant you're not normal anymore, Rachel. Well, I feel that way again. I wake up in the morning and I think I'm gonna, and that's as much as that comes out before I remember, oh yeah, you can't see without pain like everybody else. You're not normal anymore. Um, and that makes me sad. So those are the emotions that I've been feeling. The next question, what worries me about the change? Well, I talked about it a little bit. The progress will be slow, so slow that it's unnoticeable. I, I, I'm worried that I won't recover enough to work. I'm, I'm worried that I won't learn voiceover well enough to work. <laughs> it all goes back to work. I, you know, I really, I, I mean, of course I depend on work. It's my livelihood. It's my money. It's my, it's how I survive. It's how I live. It's how I pay the bills. And so to not have that, not, not have work and be dependent on disability, like, well, first of all, I don't even get that. I, I don't even understand <laughs> how one can live like that, you know, not to, to be getting disability for the rest of their lives. or and, and I'm not saying that's what I have ahead of me because I can't even imagine if that is the reality of what I'm facing. But, but just... Uh, just doing this for the past, past six weeks is, um, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot, um, for lack of a better word. So the next question is, what positive things can come from this change? So by changing my way of life, meaning I put my stroke recovery first, which is I know what I'm supposed to be doing already, but I feel like there 
there is some sort of massive improvement that I need to make. And I have an idea of what that, what that looks like. But by, by doing this and making this change, the positive things are that I may improve uh, if I don't make all, you know, commit to this stroke recovery um, I don't have a chance of improving. Another positive thing is that I'll learn how to use devices differently than other people. And um, I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> I will, uh, if I commit myself to this type of committed change, um, commit myself to this this massive change, I will find hope sometimes. I know that if I don't commit to change, I will not find hope. And if I commit to change, I will have good days. And if I don't commit to change, I will have more of these bad days like I had today. The next question, what are actions you can take to reduce worries? One thing that I know I can do because I learned this in sobriety is I can live one day at a time and not measure success and failure. And one thing that I thought of that was it felt like an epiphany when I thought of it was to create a recovery daily schedule. And I almost kind of laughed under my breath at that. I'm like, recovery daily? Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm doing here with the podcast. So why not make this bigger? Why not make a, a schedule uh, for, for my whole, not just my day, but my week, my month? Like, why don't I start looking forward and create a whole schedule around what things are going to, what things need to look like? You know, what does my life need to look like over the next month? Instead of what I've been doing is, yeah, living in today, which is helps very much for my sobriety. But, um, and there are a lot of aspects to, living one day at a time that are important to, um, to this recovery because my progress is slow. I need to make sure that I'm not measuring it too much, but I can plan out what my activities should look like so that I'm always, I have the next thing already set for me that is a positive activity for my recovery. So I think I'm going to make tomorrow's episode about that, about um, a, a new recovery daily schedule, not the podcast, but life. The next question is, what are actions to increase positive as- aspects of change? So I learned this when I did the episode about... Um, the happy chemicals. So I know that I need to reward myself for progress. I need to 
acknowledge when I have hope. I need to celebrate good day, good days. And, um, and I think the reward of learning voiceover will just be uh, being able to use digital devices. That's a reward in itself, isn't it? The next question is, what skills, activities, and strengths have helped me cope with change in the past? Well, for this, for this question, I thought about um, my sobriety and what skills did I develop um, throughout the past seven years of my uh, recovery that helped me change my way of life. And I've talked about those in my episodes. So the next right thing, doing the next right thing, turning off my wanter, educating myself. Um, one thing that I did in early sobriety was in addition to going, um, through my fellowship and, getting support from a therapist, I also um, increased my library of educational material on alcoholism. And one of the books that I talked about that I'm really a huge fan of is the, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, Under the Influence. You would think I wouldn't forget that after I repeated it like four times in a previous episode. So educate myself. I think uh, I'd like to continue to listen and, and yeah, listen. I was going to say read. Listen to as much educational material as possible to learn about stroke recovery and vision therapy. And um, another skill and strength I have is that I like to be active. I'm not a lazy person. So um, I can be lazy when I'm frustrated and discouraged and all the things that I felt today, but it's natural for me to be very active and I'm usually very positive and, um, and I, and I, I think I'm pretty good at committing myself to things. So um, these are positive uh, strengths that I have that will help me cope with this change that I'm making. And another thing that I was thinking about when I was writing down what skills, activities, and strengths I have is that I hadn't considered one of the things I've mentioned before I go to bed at night is that I get down on my knees. Um, and that that is something that that I learned early in sobriety to, um, maybe I don't know who I'm praying to, but, um, I can act as if. And, um, and so I started doing that and I would always, um, be grateful for my sobriety. And then over time I started being, I added to it that I was grateful for quitting smoking. Like I added that to my program and, and it worked and I haven't smoked since then. I, I was vaping. So I had smoked and then I quit that and I vaped and then I quit that. And I added, I did that all through my same 
program, I just provi- I applied the same principles of my sobriety program to quitting smoking, and I haven't smoked since. So why don't I apply that same sort of higher power, like a uh, higher power concept to my stroke recovery too? So I'm going to add that to my evening prayer. So we'll see. I think it seems really helpful for me to end the day being grateful that I have the willingness to uh, to make this sort of life commitment to recovery, all my recoveries. <laughs> and then finally, uh, the last question here is what resources, strengths, and situations help you know you're going to be okay. And I think that that was an excellent way for me to round out this list of questions. And my answer to that is that um, my boyfriend, my kids, my parents, my brother and my sister, my boss and my company my health insurance, my bravery, and my initiative to be an overachiever. That's how I know I'm going to be okay because I've got all of the resources that I need and the support that I need around me. So um, I know I'm going to be okay. So um, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope it wasn't too much of a downer. But, um, but it's stuff that needs to come out. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast. So um, if anybody out there is, uh, is in need of, of support, and would like to, to join my journey in recovery, just click follow. And you can also send me an email if you're interested in chatting to rachel at recoverydailypodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.